Yeah, there's one story that frustrates me more than most, and that's the absolute disaster of the opioid crisis. And like the pandemic, the reality that we as a society decided to make politics the overriding feature of how we handle this, um, more important than science and even human life, strikes me as just a total failure, right? And, and every day we continue on the path that we're on, more and more of our neighbors die. The stats bear that out and have for many, many, many years. But um, the latest data from the province shows that not only are things not getting any better, we haven't reversed the trend line at all. In fact, it's continuing to get worse again. I say it, it I don't know how else you can quantify it as other than a failure because we haven't been able to grapple this to the ground at all. So we're going to chat with Dr. Monty Gosh now, an internist and addiction specialist who works at the University of Alberta Hospital in Edmonton and the Foothills and Rocky View Hospitals in Calgary. Uh, Dr. Gosh, thank you so much for being here again. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. So these latest government numbers, uh, they take us up through September of this year. Opiate deaths in Alberta up 25% in 2023 over 2022. Simply, we just cannot make progress on this front, can we? No, it's it's very very difficult to, and it's a, not a problem that just Alberta is dealing with. No. It is throughout our entire nation, and uh, it seems like despite the different approaches to dealing with this problem, none of us are getting any closer to the solution. That's what I wanted to say because we often talk, and you know what, and rightly so, I would agree with you know uh, our government's refusal to look at um, harm reduction as much as some other jurisdictions have. But even if you look at the jurisdictions that have embraced harm reduction wholeheartedly, they can't take any victory laps. Nobody seems to have been able to find the solution here. No, and uh, when you look at Health Canada's modeling studies, they've all predicted that things will just get worse over time. Um, and this might might just be just a fact of that. It's just that the toxic drug supply is, is, is there. It's incredibly unpredictable. And no matter what we throw at this, no matter what approach we take, we're still going to run into uh, the same outcomes of, of increased number of deaths. Now, that doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't keep trying. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean to say that we need a, a comprehensive approach, not just treatment and recovery and not just harm reduction. Uh, but all all aspects of of support. So I mean, we'll, we need to sort of keep this going. Uh, but you know, I, I I still fear that no matter what we throw at this problem, we're not going to have it resolved anytime soon. What's driving it? Let's start there because it's progressed over the years uh, and it's changed. Right now, we're we're seeing an incredibly toxic drug supply. Is that sort of the overriding feature now? Absolutely. And we're seeing changes in populations as well. So uh, right now, the, the drug supply is, is changing. Uh, we've noted, spi- noted spikes in xylazine. We've noted spikes in carfentanil. So carfentanil is a more potent form of uh, fentanyl. Uh, xylazine is a tranquilizer that's entered our drug supply that's usually used for animals, not in humans. Um, and so we're starting to see these trends in our drug supply that's shifted the outcome. So we're seeing more and more people consuming very, very unpredictable drugs. Um, it's hitting vulnerable populations more than ever before. So we're seeing people who are experiencing homelessness being more affected by this, whereas before, uh, 50 to 70 percent of drug poisoning events were happening in people's own homes. Yeah. So again, this is a shift in the population uh, that's being most affected by this. Um, and you know, and again, we're not any closer to a solution. I think one of the things we need to target and look at is how do we address the toxic drug supply? And there's lots of differing opinions on that, uh, a lot of different uh, ways we can approach that problem, whether it's through enforcement, uh, you know, safe supplies on, on the topic, on minds of a lot of people. Uh, and there's just still no good approach to dealing with that. 
Uh, but regardless, despite all of that, we still need these other supports, such as treatment, recovery-oriented supports, yeah. uh, getting people onto opiate agonist treatment, which is probably one of our, our gold standards for this, as well as harm reduction supports, such as supervised consumption services. Well, that's the thing. There's the spectrum. And and, and, and that's part of the frustration, I think, because I've, I've had a number of different experts that come on that, that live in the world like you do and deal with this and have the education and the experience and the expertise. And they all say, listen, you, you can't jump all in on one area and ignore the others it won't work it's it's a full spectrum we do know that i mean we we do know that you have to have start to finish you know approaches you can't just pick one area of be it treatment or harm reduction or whatever the case may be right there's a spectrum here absolutely and i think that's the message you need to share more publicly like i think there's a lot of misconceptions uh, and, and there's this thought process that we need one or the other, and that is definitely not true. And I think that that's the message that needs to come from uh, from health officials, yeah. uh, from our government. Uh, you know, we need to be talking about it through the media a bit more, such as you are. Uh, but again, it's a, a multi multi pronged approach that's needed because not everyone is the same. People are on their own journeys to recovery, and they're at different points in their journeys to recovery. And uh, and we need to be ready for them at whatever point they're at. Uh, so people might not be ready for opioid agonist treatment or getting to a treatment facility. Um, and so therefore, they need harm reduction supports. Some people are absolutely ready to detox, ready to get into supports. Um, and therefore, we need to get them into a detox facility, get them onto their opioid agonist treatment, and then get them to treatment right away. So like on-demand treatment. Um, all of that is important. But again, we need to catch them where they're at and where their frame is at, their mind frame is at as well. Um, and, and that's hard to do unless you have all those resources available instantaneously. Yeah, it's not easy. It, it, it's, I'm, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, it's so easy, let's solve this. No, it is a very difficult mm-hmm. problem. Um, you touched on it earlier, and I wanted to ask you um, a, a little more about the, the stats in this province where they, they talk about, you know, and this is really morbid, but where people are dying of drug poisoning. And you mentioned it earlier. Most recent data in Alberta, 44% of the deaths happen in public. 55% of the deaths in Calgary are happening in public. And both of those are double the rates from last year. So so what does that tell us about what's going on among our drug-using drug um, population in Alberta? So one thing that we try to stress from a, a harm reduction strategy perspective is to not use substances alone. Uh, whether that's in a group setting, whether you use over the phone, if you have a phone, or whether you use a supervised consumption service. Uh, my, my impression that I get from this data is that it's affected people who are experiencing homelessness a lot more who are using by themselves. Uh, I do see this a lot with the population that I serve at the shelters in Calgary. And, uh, and I, I worry that that's the population that's being unfairly and unfortunately targeted with this drug, toxic drug supply. We see this in the clients themselves. They have a lot of weird wounds that they've never seen before, secondary to xylazine. So it, it, that's what it's telling me. It's, it's affecting this particular population a lot more. And we need to put more, for, uh, more efforts around addressing this population in particular. So that means having more shelter supports, having more addiction supports within shelters, uh, but also uh, having more supervised consumption services available for this population. Calgary at this moment only has one. Uh, there were efforts to get others started in the city, uh, but they haven't been as effective because we see community opposition to having these facilities put in place. But I think what the population doesn't know is that if we do have these facilities in place, we'll have less public disorder, we'll have more people using these facilities, uh, we'll have less people using in public in general, and, and people who are, are surviving these, these events, and so they can enter uh, recovery, or at least provided the oper- have the opportunity to enter recovery. So like, these are the things that we need to have. We need to have more supervised consumption services and more supports within shelters. And yet that's not necessarily being provided, um, and it's unfortunate. 
It is. It, it, it absolutely is unfortunate and, and tragic, really, uh, Dr. Gosh. Thank you so much for your time, for being here. I, as always, I really appreciate it.